Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Seven and eights are open now. Somebody volunteered. So seven and eights, come on out. Amen. <laughs> Some happy parents. <laughs> Understand, we don't, we don't cancel classes just because we want to pick on kids. It was, we need a lot of volunteers to run a ministry that has over like 100 kids in it. Amen? All right. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 While we're, while we're getting settled in, you know what? I know we greeted each other earlier, but I'm going to ask you, since we're training to be the church, I'm going to ask you kind of to get out of your seat and go greet somebody and give somebody a three to four word prayer. Oh, oh. Come on, that's easy. That means God bless you. God touch you. May God heal you. Go to somebody, hug them, say receive today. Be healed today. Come on, you're all ministers. Let's go. You got 30 seconds. Let's go. Tell somebody, receive, be blessed today. Amen. 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 All right, tell them, tate quieto now. Sit down. Come on, this ain't party time. We can party after church. Yeah, we got a sprinkle adobo. Amen. You can't talk about, and we got to turn it up. Come on. And we got to be amazing. Amen. And, and, and we got to be the IMs. And then there's, a, I think, five more districts coming today. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking about the church for the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about doing church. We've been talking about being church. Amen. Last week, Pastor Gary shared an incredible message on the grace of God, how we can approach the throne room of God, not because we're good, not because we've earned it, not because we're holy, but because God is good, because God made us worthy. Amen. And so in, in closing last week, Pastor Gary asked me to come up and share a minute on risking church. And man, that stirred my heart again because we've been preaching that since day one. And so I spoke to you last week about the church, how the church shouldn't be a place where we have to pretend to have it together. Say amen, he's talking to me. The church shouldn't have to be a place where, where we have to hide behind masks. We, we can be fully known and fully accepted in the church of God. Amen? And that's just, that's just practicing kingdom living. That's nothing new. That's just practicing kingdom living. Because the reality is God already knows us. The reality is, no matter how we fool each other here, God knows if you're straight or not. God knows if you got it together or not. God knows. Amen? In a lot of other places, they tell us, you got to fake it till you make it. But the church shouldn't be that kind of place. You hear how the whole worship team, I didn't even tell them, the whole worship team is singing, we got to come to Jesus, come as we are. I love it when the Holy Spirit just kind of puts everything together. 
See, but what Gary didn't know last week is that God was using him to perfectly set up what I'd already planned to do this morning. And so I'm titling this message after that old series, even though it's a totally different message, but I'm calling it Risking Church, because that's exactly what I'm going to do this morning. I like to start with a quote, and so let me give you a real profound, I mean deep quote. I mean like get out your pens and pencils. (laughs) Write this on somebody's shirt if you don't got paper. (laughs) You ready? Got your markers ready? Real church is messy. Amen. Thank you. I'm leaving. (laughs) Broken, real church is messy. Somebody need to help that. (laughs) M-E-S-S. I'll just play. Broken people can be cranky sometimes. Hurt people lash out sometimes. Sometimes real people, when they come into the presence of God, they just cry the whole service. Anybody been there? It's just tears and mocos all day. (laughs) All up on people you don't even know. (laughs) See, when you live in community... Like this, you grow together and you grow amongst each other. And for for those of us in ministry, those that take, and I mean the ministry that kind of takes a front seat, for those of us that take a, a front seat, we live our lives center stage. And so that means our successes are noticed and celebrated. But that also means that our falls are magnified and talked about. I'm about to risk church with you on a very personal level this morning. And I want to be very careful how I bring this. I want to be careful not to condone, to approve of, but also not to condemn, to bring shame or to bring guilt. You see, on January 5th of this year, I was given the news by my younger baby, who's 22, that I was going to be a grandpa this year. Now, while that definitely is something to celebrate, those of you that know the family are going, but this is no masks, amen? We're risking church this morning. See, when you're the pastor's family, people expect a great deal from you, and people put a lot of expectations on you, and rightfully so, some, some so unrealistic, Right? Some, some people think, you know, a pastor's like, we, we live in a bubble with marshmallows and angels. And everything's, you know, hymns and choirs. And so, you know, the, the, the thing is, when, other, when others fall, they come to the pastor, they come to the church, and they expect to be forgiven. And they expect grace and mercy and forgiveness, as they should. But when it happens the other way, sometimes a different measurement stick is used. And so, I'm sharing this news today with their permission because, you know, as a member of the worship team, they're held to a standard. 
And what I wanted to do is share the truth with you all. I wanted to give you the, respond, the, the, the ability, the opportunity to respond as a church to my family. So I'm risking church today by trusting church. And I didn't want anything to be hidden so that there could be rumors and assumptions. This is a gossiper's, you know, dream. Oh my God. But I just beat you to the punch. I told everybody. <laughs> if they're not here, it's none of their business. And the truth is, <laughs> I did not expect it to go this way. <laughs> but the truth is, my daughter, whom I love, she's had this boyfriend on and off forever. <laughs> they've been on and off again for a long, and apparently they've been on again for a while. And the truth is, they're getting married and they're making all kinds of plans, but, but, but wait, wait, wait. But it's not a shotgun thing. It's not to cover up anything. It's because they love each other, and I believe that. And so they're making plans for a future. And so I just wanted to extend to them the forgiveness that God has given us. And I wanted to give them the freedom to not hang their heads in shame. To not be sick with guilt, but to walk in the freedom of forgiveness. And to enjoy this very special season in their lives. Amen? Now as the pastor, I have to make it clear, I'm not condoning the order. Okay? And nor would I recommend it, but I'm choosing to show my daughter the, and my future son-in-law the love and grace and acceptance that God has given us to show to so many of you. <laughs> Amen. See, the word says clearly in Galatians 6.1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in gentleness. That scripture must not be read a lot because I've seen and heard about Christians eating their fallen. The message puts it this way. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore them, saving your critical comments for yourself because you might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. <laughs> and so even now, Lord, we just thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for that child. And I thank you that each and every one of us can come to you, every last one of us, and find forgiveness and find acceptance and find purpose and find peace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I think somebody else needed that today. Amen. Let's move on if we can. I was reading a leadership magazine this week that I, I get in the mail this past. And I, was, I had started this article a couple of weeks back, and I, I don't like read magazines or books anymore. I read them all digital, right? Anybody? I see people with a book, I say, can't hustle. <laughs> like, I can't, because the book will show you how big it is, you know. But if you read it digital, it's just a page. Amen? 
So this magazine, I had, I had started this article a couple of weeks back, and for some reason this past week, I picked it up to finish the magazine, to finish the article. Look how God works. The article that I had left open is by John Ortberg, and he writes this. I can only be loved to the extent that I'm known. Didn't I just say that last week? I can only be loved to the extent that I'm known. Listen, listen. As long as I hide behind a mask, even if someone says they love me, my soul will whisper, but you wouldn't love me if you really knew me. You see, when we wear masks, which some of us are pretty great at wearing, amen? The problem is only our masks receive love. Think about that. When we wear masks, only our mask receives the love. We know it, it might feel good in the crowd, but we know when we go home, we got to take off that, that mask and that love that we received. We never received it. The mask received it. And so we're empty again. Inside, we tell ourselves the real me would never get this kind of love. The real me would never be, if they knew the real me, they would never accept me. See, when we live behind false faces, that's the false message that becomes our reality. We're talking about risking church, amen? We're talking about coming out from behind our masks. Some people tell me, I, I, I can't get connected in church. And I just want to say, well, stop hiding. Stop hiding. How's anybody going to know you if you're hiding behind, if every week you wear a different mask? This week I got the tired mask on. This week I got the grumpy mask on. This week I got the hurt face on. And it's like we have a collection of these that we like pick out in the morning. Like which one's going to match my shoes? Oh, this one. And then, and then we upset because people don't know us and people don't connect with us and people, but, but, but come on. The real you hasn't come to church in four years. <laughs> but but, but here's, the, here's the damage. You're hurting you, but here's, here's the problem. False faces do damage to the body of Christ. They do damage to the local church. People need to know, and, and I'm, I'm, we really, I'm talking like this, like a meeting with us right here. This is the church, and we're having a meeting. Because I really believe that people need to know that they can come to the church and be loved. They can come to the church and be accepted by, from, by the way they are. Amen? People need to know that they can come to church and find people who care more about them than what they've done. They need to know that they can come to church and find people who help bear their burdens. People, they need to know that they can come and share problems with people and not have to worry about who that person is going to go tell. People need to know that other people struggle with the same issues that they have. See, if we're all hiding behind church faces, then we isolate ourselves and we start to believe I'm the only one with that problem. And if you've, if you've been a, a, a frequent mask wearer, you understand this dilemma. You think, I have to put this on because nobody in that place struggles the way I do. And as long as we do that, we never find out 
that there's other people in the same row that struggle the way you do, that have the same insecurities that you do, that have the same past pain and past hurt that you've been through. But, but because we got our church face, how you doing, brother? I'm blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Do a little song and a dance. But inside, you're broken. You're, you're crying. You're, you're in pain. And you're praying in church. You're coming to church because you're praying that God would secretly heal you so that no one even has to know what you went through. But God is saying, I need to reveal it so I can heal it. Amen? Amen? And that's the purpose of the church is so that we can come together and, 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 and walk in this thing. Amen? The local church is the hope of the world. But it has to get unmasked. Family, if we understood that daddy knows us fully and still loves us, then we can come out of hiding and we can risk the church every day, all day, all day. I want a bunch of people that risk church all day. Amen? We just need to see. It's, it's really the, the reality, what, what, what kind of lifts the, the fog, what opens it up, is we just need to see the Father's heart in the Scriptures. Romans 5, 6, it says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Did you hear that? Not the godly that's trying to be good, not the Christian that tries to, he died for the ungodly. Died for those without God. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, the word says, verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. So I want to take up this opportunity today. I want to build up the broken today. Amen. It's time to proclaim the good news to the poor. It's time to bind up the brokenhearted. It's time to proclaim freedom to the captives. It's time to release from darkness for the prisoners because the Lord has anointed us to do that, Isaiah 61. I want to free you from having to hide because you know what? It's really hard to breathe behind a mask. Listen, some of us have gotten so comfortable with our mask, but... There's more danger to wearing a false face than you probably imagine. Let me, let me give that to you. When we wear masks, we hide our true identity. The only purpose for hiding your identity is to do something that's out of your character. Why do we wear masks when we rob a bank? It's to do something out of character that we don't want to be recognized for. Oh, come on. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. When the, the old has gone, the new has come. See, when the new man puts on a false face, it's usually to act like the old man. Let the wise understand. When we know our true identity in Christ, then we can risk church. Let me give you what your true identity is. Anybody wants an ID card this morning? You are a child of God, John 1.12. You are united with the Lord. You are one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6.17. You have been justified, Romans 5.1. Can we accept today that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness? 1 John 1, 9. 
See, we've been so damaged by our Catholic sense of penance and our Pentecostal sense of disciplina that we cheapen forgiveness. Anybody remember when you had to say five Hail Marys and four Our Fathers as a penance? You could tell I went in deep, right? Five and four. You remember going back and telling your friends how many did you get? <laughs> I got one and two. Yo, I got four and three. What? And then remember how fast you try to go through it? I wonder how fast I can say four, our Father. Our Father watch in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, I'm done, I'm forgiven. Doesn't that cheapen forgiveness? I don't mean to make fun, but doesn't that cheapen forgive? If we could say 10 prayers that would forgive and wash us all our sins, then, then we would never need the Savior. We would never need the grace. We would never need the blood of Christ. Can we, can we, and, and, and do you understand the whole disciplina thing? Do you, do you, you know, like, well, if you're separated, boom, you never serve in ministry again. If you did something, you fell once, you're done, son. You're sitting in disciplina row for the next four years. Maybe if this pastor dies, the next pastor might use you as an usher. Maybe. That's disciplina row, right? And, and when you sit on disciplina row, everybody's going to look at you. Go, um, I know your story. I'm going to the front to worship. Right? But do you know that none of that is in the word? Where do we get that from? None of that is in the scriptures. Search it. So can we take that judgment mask off and be free and walk in our true identity? Let me give you some more identity. You have been redeemed and forgiven of all your sins. Colossians 1.14. You, not your mask. You have been adopted as God's child. Ephesians 1.5. I love that. You have been bought with a price. You belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You are a member of Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 12, 2 and 7. You are a saint. Ephesians 1, 1. You're a saint. That's crazy. Go to your titi who has six saints on the, on the dresser. And say, take those, take those off and put pictures of me there if you want saints. And instead of putting the money in a cup, give it to me. Because <laughs> that's pointless. You might as well come to me so I can pray for you because obviously you think that you have to go through somebody else to get to God. I'm going to show you how you go direct. Amen. <laughs> you have been bought with a price. You belong to God. I, I, this, oh, come on. You have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 2.18. You are complete in Christ, Colossians 2.10. Put, put your ID cards in your wallet. You are free forever from condemnation, Romans 8.1 and 2. You are assured that all things work together for good, Romans 8.28. You are free from any condemning charges against you, Romans 8.31. You cannot be separated from the love of God, Romans 8.35. You, not your mask. You are confident that the good work that God has begun in you will be 
perfected, Philippians 1.6. You can find grace and mercy in time of need, Hebrews 4.16. You are God's temple, 1 Corinthians 3.16. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. You may approach God with freedom and confidence, Ephesians 3.12. Don't show up with a mask, though, because he won't recognize you. See, when we look through the scriptures and we start to see and learn the heart of the Father, it changes how we see ourselves, amen? Here's my challenge to you this week. When you read the scriptures, because I know we're a growing church that's reading the word every day, amen? Or trying to, Amen? Don't waste that time on the train and the bus. Read a scripture or two. Power. Come on. Wow. That scared me. <laughs> that power in that corner. Huh? <laughs> Must be Pastor Mark and Pastor Mo there. So let me challenge you this week. When you read the scriptures, look for the Father's heart in whatever you read. Just this week. Because when you start to understand the Father's heart, it, it changes you, amen? Jesus said, I don't do anything I didn't see my Father doing. So, so what did Jesus do? Let's look at some of the big stories that we hear about all the time. And instead of making them big stories, just look at the real quick at the heart of the Father. Okay? You with me? Lean in. Lean in. We, 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 we just can't start it. No, no, we're almost done. Yeah, right. Lean in, lean in. <clears throat> Remember the story when Jesus fed the 5,000? Well, you don't have to know the whole story or every detail. His disciples says, listen, wait, there was a lot of people gathered with 5,000 men. That means there was men and women and children, but this is, he just counted the five. There was 5,000 men there, and the disciples said, we got to send these people away. You've been preaching to them all day, G. They, they're hungry. We got to send them away so they could get food. And Jesus said, why we got to send them away? Feed them. And the disciples says, we can't feed them. We ain't got nothing. All we got is two fish sticks and a piece of bread. Jesus said, take what you have and step out in faith. Come on, six of you needed to receive that today. Take what you have and step out in faith. And if you don't know how that story ends, go look it up. Google it. You Google everything else. How about the woman at the well? I love that story. Jesus goes out of his way. He crosses social and racial boundaries to give this woman an encounter with God that changes her life. She was not a good woman by society standards. She was not like this, this you know, choir member that's trying and reaching out, messed up here and there. But no, she, she, was, she had had five husbands and she was living in sin with a man right now. Say, wow. Or the Spanish people say, chacho. Five husbands and she's living in sin with a man right now. And the father's heart meets with this broken, rejected, hurting. See, that's the father's heart. He goes out of his way to meet broken, rejected, wounded, hurting people. And he gives them purpose. There's some of you here today, you thought, I've done too much. I could never do anything for God. Well, this woman went and told her story and the whole city came to meet Jesus. They said, Jesus, will you stay and, and teach us? And he stayed another two days. And the word says many believed. Many became believers because this woman told her story. Because God searched her out, found her, met her, and gave her an encounter. Somebody say amen. 
How about the woman caught in adultery? This girl was naked. They caught her naked. They dragged her out the room naked. And they brought her all through the streets naked and brought her to Jesus and threw her on the floor naked in front of Jesus out in the temple, right in front. And in that time, it was customary, according to the law, that she could be stoned for, for doing what she did. She should be lawfully stoned and killed. She can be lawfully stoned and killed. And so, so where's the father's heart? He advocates for those who have nobody to defend them. If you see in the story, Jesus says, you're right, man. She's guilty. So go ahead and stone her to death, man. Pick up the big rocks. Go ahead. Get the shiny ones. She's the dirty one. Get the good rocks. Pick them up. Oh, but, but, but wait. Before anybody throws, let the one with no sin, let the one who hasn't sinned, you throw the first one. Go ahead. And then they all leave. They're all convicted. They're all embarrassed. They're all ashamed. Nobody can stand. Nobody can throw a snow. They all go. And, and, and he asks her, where are you condemners? And she goes, they're all gone. And he says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What does he tell her? He tells her, listen, I didn't come to judge you or to condemn you. I came to love you. But he told her, but listen, go. Don't do this no more. Don't live like this no more. That's important to mention, amen? We can't be too soft on sin. We got to really recognize the way it is in the Word. He told her, go and don't do this no more. Stop doing this. Amen? It's a beautiful thing. See, we, a lot of us think, you know, we grew up our whole lives thinking God was out there to catch us riding dirty. But the Word says in John three seventeen, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's a different picture when you see the Father's heart, isn't it? It's amazing that we can read that passage about this woman and still be judgmental toward anybody. See, I learned a long time ago that it's not our job to clean the fish. Ha <laughs> ha! Growing up, my father loved fishing. I know I've told this story before, but I like it. <laughs> and there's three new people here today, so they could, the rest of you could act like you never heard it. My father used to love fishing. I never really cared for it, but my dad liked it, so I would go with him. And we loved to be, and man, we lived in Manhattan, and he loved to go down to the Hudson River. I know it sounds disgusting, but <laughs> we didn't eat it, you know, but, but he loved his fishing. And he was always seasick, so he couldn't go on a boat, so that was his fishing from the pier. And so I would go with him, and he would set up my line. He would, my father's in his side head out, so he'd put three fish hooks on each line. <laughs> Not just one, he ought to catch three at a time. He's in his side head out, Cuban, that's how the, he is. He made me who I am, amen? That's why my stories are kind of, but anyway. So he would, he would fix the line for me. He'd put the sinkers and the hooks and this, and I don't want to touch the bait, so he'd cut up the bait, and he set up the bait, and he set all that up for me. All I had to do was cast and bring in the fish, and I loved it. I loved the thrill of catching and bringing in. I loved bringing in the fish. And then even when I brought in the fish, I didn't want to touch the fish either. I'm one of those guys, you know? I thought I was a papi chula. I don't want to get no, I don't want. <laughs> so even when I brought in the fish, I would give it to him. He would take the fish off the hook. He'd clean it. He'd gut it. He'd do whatever. He'd prepare the line again. And, send, and, and listen, God told me a long time ago, that's all I've called you to do. That's all I've called you to do. Daddy sets the bait. Daddy prepares the line. Daddy makes all things ready. All I have to do, all we have to do is bring in the fish. 
And then even when we bring them in, daddy takes care of it. Daddy, God, daddy gets them unhooked. Oh. Daddy gets them cleaned up. Daddy prepares them. I remember, depending on what fish we caught, sometimes my father would cut that fish and use that fish as bait to catch bigger fish. Ooh. That's deep. Sometimes we're the fish that, you, you, you get the picture all right, never mind. See, when Jesus spoke to a couple of fishermen in Matthew and Mark, he said, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And that's the mandate to us, amen? Risking church is focusing on the fishing and not being worried about the cleaning of the fish. See, it's easy for us if we're not careful to be more concerned with the aquarium and the appearance of the tank than to follow our mandate to bring in the fish. Some churches look like designer fish tanks. They only want the fish of a certain color. Uh-oh. They only want fish that speak their language. They only, they only want fish that know how to play well together. Family, church is messy. Anybody willing to risk church with me this morning? Come on. Let me close with this one. Worship team, you guys can come up. There's one story in particular that gives us a clear view of how daddy sees things. And I love this story. You can, I'm not going to go into the whole story. You can read the thing for yourself. It's in Luke 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. And it's a story of two sons. One was reckless and one was self-righteous. We've probably taken turns playing both of these roles. Amen. But the whole of the story is the heart of the father. After the reckless one wastes everything he has and disgraces his father's home, disgraces his father's name, the father still patiently waits and prays for his return. And we know this because we see that because once the son decides to come back and, and try to repent and ask for a slave's position in his father's house, Daddy sees him from a long way off. That means daddy was waiting and watching. That means, that gives us the picture that every day daddy would go to that place where he can see off the horizon and he can see if, if, if maybe today my son is going to come back. Maybe today my daughter will come back home. Maybe today. And so hey, we, we see that the, the father's heart was waiting and he does something when he sees his son. He does something that the men of his stature, men of that time, you know, were not supposed to do. He runs to him. Understand that a rich nobleman in that time don't run. They wore long gowns. They wore Outfits that prevent them from running. For a man of his stature to run, that means he'd have to kind of lift up his skirt. Which would be undignified. He'd have to lift it up and show his bony chicken legs. And then run and look foolish. And look embarrassing and look, and, and look, look ridiculous. But, but the father runs to the son. And before the son could repent, before the son had a whole speech, the word tells us. He had a whole speech prepared. Dad, I know that I've done wrong. I know that I've sinned against you. I know, but, 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 but God, but God, you know, but, 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 but dad, 
If I could just be a servant in your home, I'd be happy with that. If I, he had this whole speech that daddy didn't even hear it. He ran to him. He puts a ring on him, meaning you're still royalty. He puts a robe on him, meaning you're still an heir to the kingdom. His heart is for his total restoration. There wasn't a probation period. There wasn't a penance. There weren't ten Hail Marys and four Our Fathers. No probation, no penance. There was a party. <laughs> the father rejoices when one of his sons come home. There might be some of you here today or you've been listening online. And you've blown it so bad you think there's no way you can come back. You're sitting here today only because you, you're, you're able to sit here because you hide behind masks. And you think there's no way that you can come back. But listen, nothing, and, 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 and you know your life, nothing's going right in your life. Every opportunity's been closed. Everywhere you turn, there's another closed door. And nothing is as fun as it used to be. You know... When you were in your father's house, you knew when you were back in church, you knew when you were serving God, you knew things were different. You, you had everything. You were good. Even when you didn't have anything, you had everything. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And maybe you're here today. You've been preparing speeches. You've been preparing excuses. I want you to picture the father today waiting up for you. And he's been waiting and looking out at the horizon from you. And the moment he sees you turning, daddy runs to you. I want you to know today the father runs to you. And the father's heart is that the moment you would turn, the moment you turn to him, God is right. No matter how far, how long you've been running to get away, he's like the bad guy in the, in the, the killer in the movies. You can run and run and run, but you know, you, you slip and he's right there to kill you. Well, in, in the kingdom, it's different. You can run and run and run and run as hard and run as far and run. And the moment that you turn, he's right there waiting because he's been running after you. He's been chasing and waiting for you. If that's you, if you need to stand, if you need to change your position, if you need to do something today, just do that. Don't wait. Don't wait for a song. Don't wait for a call. Say, God, you're talking to me. I'm running. I'm coming. Come on. Let's, let's, let's stand together as we worship, as we close in worship. But I want to give you the opportunity today. To drop the masks. To stop the hiding to let the real you meet the real us here today. And let the real you meet the real God today. And so we're going to open up the altars. You can come and we'll, we'll be here to pray with you. We'll be here to love with you. Anything that you need. The next couple of moments, we'll just, we'll just worship together. We'll just do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.